Welcome to the second program of Dowsing Schools. My name is Vicky. For an explanation of dowsing, I present Emily, who will again describe some of the fundamentals of the practice. If in doubt as to the function and effects of dowsing, please refer back to this introduction for clarification. Dowsing or divining is the ancient practice of using twigs or steel rods to find various items below the surface of the ground, such as water, oil, or even archaeology. In practice, a dowser will typically scan a terrain by holding out his rods in front of him whilst walking, waiting for an indication for the rod's motion before stopping to ask further questions. These questions are usually regarding the depth, quantity, and age of the subject or substance of interest. With water, for example, a dowser would usually locate the source of the water, then query his rods as to the quality, direction of flow, and abundance of the deposit. With architecture, it could be about finding the previous layout of a floor plan, the thickness of its walls, as well as the positions of doors and windows. The search could even involve something as subjective as a hidden treasure. Dowsers in cases such as these would usually work with a team of archaeological specialists, who would then unearth the dowsers' findings. Many sources point to the practice as having originated in Germany during the 15th century, when it was implemented in attempt to find metals. At the time, dowsing had already been singled out as an occultist practice, with dowsers being held as superstitious and in breach of the First Commandment. To this day, the practice remains mysterious and polarised, with practitioners swearing by its attributes, whilst no real scientific proof exists for its effectiveness. Here, a dowser has been commissioned to make surveys of many schools, their playgrounds, classrooms, sport facilities and the like, looking for previous buildings, burials or even underground streams. Hence our title, Dowsing Schools. I now present today's featured dowser, David Lockwood, of Cornwall, England. David is visiting the gymnasium of a large educational building, and hopes to find something of interest. Please join as David describes the interiors, as well as guiding us through the process of his investigation. It's quite a place, isn't it? Eh? Wow. 
we've come this morning into a, a modern gymnasium. It's uh, ooh, 20 meters tall, I don't know, quite high. It's quite a high roof here, uh, well lit. We have, a, I would say, a plastic or metal um, roofing system here, uh, which is uh, corrugated and runs the whole length of this gymnasium, which is, I suppose, uh, up to 200 feet uh, long and about uh, 80, 90 foot wide. And the walls are done of the same material, running horizontally, this corrugated plastic or metal. And you can see some of the pillars uh, going up from the wall because they've actually uh, splayed the walls outwards to allow light to come in around the top edge. So there's obviously glass at the top there that you can't see. Um, and of course, today we have someone working on the roof upstairs. So we have the drill going and some equipment going. At the moment it's dead silent, which is good, but it just started up again. So there are some background noises here, which we're dealing with today. We have um, in this section, uh, we have the high rings, which we all know about, but there's also some high bars and parallel bars at two different levels. So where the gymnasts fly from one to another. So there's an amazing amount of um, structure here in the way of wires going up to the ceiling um, to hold these frameworks where the gymnasts will be um, rotating around. And of course the ground underneath where these activities take place are very well padded in case there's a slippage and someone falls. So a long um, running board down the end here uh, small spring, small springboards where they can uh, take a short run. The four-inch beam that people walk on to do their um, exercises are here and of course we have them at various heights like one foot, two foot, three foot and four foot so you can gradually build up your confidence. Whilst Mr Lockwood scans the given school terrain, you will be able to hear his metal rods crossing, and occasionally clanking. This will give you an indication as to the presence of irregularities below the surface of the ground. This clanking can also be the rod's reaction to questions he is asking of them, as you will soon witness. The clanking of rods will sound something like this. Or like this. And again. Mr. Lockwood will also be laying markers on the floor as he goes, in order to map out the areas of interest. Through these sounds, you should be able to follow the process as he reveals the subterranean features of the school gymnasium. So now I ask my dousing rods, was there a previous structure here? Was there a previous structure going back in time here before this gymnasium was built? My rods cross, which is for me indicating a yes. So somewhere here there was a previous building and um, we will go back to the first building that was on this site and see if we can find it. So I just count through the centuries and see if I can find it. So um, century one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12. So 12th century. Now that means somewhere in the 11th hundreds. So I could try and get the more precise date and say 1100, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60. So it's about 1160. 
about 1160 would be um, the year of some construction on this site. We could say, uh, what sort of building was it? Was it, was it a church? No. Uh, was it a, a home? I'm getting it was a home. Um, was it a home for many people? So were there several, several of these homes? I think there were several homes built here at one time. Going back then, all that time ago, would this have been a, a farming community? I mean, today it's completely different. It's a very modern place um, back then. So let's ask, would it have been a farming area? Yeah, I'm getting a farming area. It's a farming area. So would these have been buildings for for the farmer himself, for um, his workers in some way. So maybe in a, some whole, a tied, like we, we in England would have tied cottages to farms. Um, it looks like this could have been some form of tied buildings for, um, for the workers. Would that be correct? I'm getting yes for that. So. Okay. From an initial questioning of the rods, Mr. Lockwood has already learned much about the terrain. The land was apparently in use, as early as the year 1160, with the construction of several homes which formed part of a farming community. Lockwood will now walk around the terrain to map out the former structures, using small flags to mark key points. Um, we're in the, roughly uh, in the middle, um, a bit towards the north end. Now the north end actually holds uh, all these equipments that are, need the wires to secure them to the ceiling to make the stand. So I'm going to walk actually um, along the hard farm on a hard floor, which is good. I'm going to walk forward now towards the east um, with the equipment wires on my right here. Um, the floor is nice and uh, firm because we're actually on a carpeted floor and uh, each side of me there's raised platforms of foam and my rods are starting to cross now so I've got to cross at this point. So I came into a wall structure here and I will now walk following on. I'm not sure which direction um, the wall goes in of course at the moment but I'm carrying on walking due east onto a thin, thin rubber mat and then I'm coming onto a very thick six inch rubber mat and my rods are crossing again so I'm now about four foot from the east wall of this building I'm reaching forward and tapping it and yes it's an aluminium wall um, with the outer face solid but the indentation the channel is actually perforated to allow the building to breathe so very good scientific method We have a building that I would say is something like 15, 15 to 20 foot wide. I step to the side a metre and step back a metre, and stepping, stepping actually off and back onto the hard flooring. Um, so I'm just walking forward now and stepping up onto the uh, six inch matting and I find myself with the rods crossing again. We need to find the corners of this wall that I'm stood on. So I'm against the east wall and I'm walking forward now towards the north to see where I find the extent of this building. And now I'm on top of another rubber mat, it's quite spongy, difficult to walk on, but my rods are crossing. <laughs> <laughs> 
So I found the corner or the end, end wall and I will position that flag as best I can on this bouncy mat. So if I carry walking now due south along the wall, I'm now looking for the end of the wall. I'm passing my original flags, straight row, walking right up this lovely pathway, nice spongy surface, walking to actually a raised trampoline area, very long ones, a 30 foot, 40 foot high trampoline. We have a wall here, which I suppose um, is something like 50, 60 foot long. I don't know. It's quite, quite, a, quite a length. So I'm going to walk back into the east wall again now. I'm just going to position that flag more accurately. In Mr. Lockwood's process, we can follow him walking up and down the length of the room continuing to place flags and reiterate the floor plans of a previous structure. As you would have noticed, he is describing distances in feet, which can be approximated in meters by dividing by three. Mr. Lockwood now continues to further explore the depth, age and other properties of the subterranean layout. First thing I'll ask is how far down are the foundations of this wall from this nice rubber spongy mat I'm stood on now. So counting feet, one, two, three, four, five. So from this uh, spongy floor here that I'm on, five foot down would be the foot footstones or the bed that the wall was built on. And that wall, how tall would that wall have been in those days, please? Two, four, six, eight, ten, twelve, fourteen, sixteen, about eighteen feet. The wall would have been eighteen feet, which I suppose would have been enough for about two stories, two floors for people to hab habitate. Yeah, okay. The thing I'm going to ask is is it subdivided? Is this building subdivided into rooms? I'm getting yes. So let's find, let's find the occupancy of a building, the width of the building. in the southerly direction, walking towards the outer wall. Foot crosses, so somewhere here. And then we walk forward again and try and find the partition, the bit that blocks off some of this. So we found the second one. So we're going in about eight foot chunks. We have a slightly larger uh, building on the north end, but we have one, two, three, four, five, five sections in this building. So um, would that have been for, in those days, five families? Yes. Are there any other buildings? Any other buildings here? I'm getting no. So in that time when this building was used in the 1170s when it was, would the surrounding area up here be grassland or usable land for, for working as a farm? Yes. Okay. 
So um, would this place be in the site of the controller of this building? Would there be a, a farmer or owner of some land? And he would live elsewhere. He would live elsewhere. Um, a long way away, within, within a kilometre, within um, 100 metres, within, within about 200 metres of here would be his, his place that he lived. As Mr. Lockwood reveals additional details about the former occupants of the land and buildings, we begin to understand that there is much history below this particular school gymnasium. This is in addition to that of the modern building itself. Quite common for Mr. Lockwood's practice is the blessing or clearing of the energies of rooms whilst entering. As a short interlude to his investigation, we offer a glimpse of this reasoning. As we enter a premise, or anyone enters a premise, or uses a premise, we bring our own energies into that, uh, that premise. And uh, um, it's rather nice before we start work on trying to sense energies and see what's here, it's rather nice to clear that energy. So we have had thousands and thousands of people in this gymnasium over, over the time it's been opened. And so we just initially flood it with an energy, a cleansing energy, and take away all the inappropriate energies here and disperse them into the universe. So consequently, we have a, a clear volume of no one else's energies apart from the three of us that are working today. That's rather useful um, because then we can sense, in sensing what's here, we're not impressed by all the shouting and uh, the fun that's gone on here before. And maybe some anger, maybe some strict discipline that's been used in here. You've got rid of all that. So it's a rather nice thing to do for any room you're going to have a meeting in or assembly in to clear the energy in the room. People do it with smudging sticks. They, they light a, uh, certain herbs and, uh, and with a feather they take that smoke into all corners of the room in their mind thinking they're cleansing it. People do it with Tibetan bells. They ring the bells um, in all the corners of the room and drive out all the unpleasant energies. And uh, people do it with drumming, drum it. I just do it with a few simple words. So I just say, Divine Creator, please flood this space with your love and light. Take away all inappropriate energies here and disperse them into the universe appropriately. Flooding this space with your love and light, bring it into balance and harmony for us now to do a survey of this building. With such blessings incorporated in dowsing practices, we can also note differences in the approach of various dowsers and can begin to think of a variety of schools of dowsing itself. Many dowsers with an engineering practice for example, refuse an explanation or elucidation of the functioning of the rods. 
by contrast, many more spiritual or esoteric thousands tend to incorporate their personal beliefs into the subculture, such as the use of crystals and pendulums, or the practice of dowsing in an informal ritual context. Did the build, did that new building going up, um, did it use some of the footings of this building? It did. Okay. Was it, did it use exactly the same footings? Um, did it use one of the walls of the building? Um, just one of the walls? Yes. Okay. And was it the wall that I'm now standing on? Was that the wall that was used? Nope. Um, so was it, this is the wall in the east. Was it the wall in the west? footings that was used now. So was it the footings in the north? So the shorter length of wall in the north, the footings of that was used for the new building. Not quite halfway, there is a, a partition. This is a partition wall. And so would there have been a doorway in this wall? Would there have been any windows? No, there would have been a doorway. And what width would that doorway be in feet, if we like? One, two, three. It could be quite a wide door, four foot, um, leading through. Um, would there be any windows? There would be windows. Um, would there be windows on the back wall there of the building? Yes. And how would we get into the building? Would we get in from the east? we get in from the west. We'd come in from the west. There would be a door. And there's an opening here, four foot, leading into the second room. But we're, would we be right in saying that there is um, an upstairs here? There is. The second room we walk into, um, did that have an upstairs? The first room, did that have an upstairs? No. So we, we came into a rather tall room here, which had a, a door in it. And we had a ladder, sort of like a vertical ladder, I'm getting up to the floor here. So there were three, three like spaces on the ground. There's space here, space there, and a space high up there. Um, and in each of these buildings, would that be for a family? I'm getting yes. And this would be, we'll say for the moment, husband, wife and children. Yeah. And would there be animals in here? Well, there's animals, but um, are we talking about... Uh, more like, uh, would we have a, a cow in there or a sheep in there? No. Um, this would be uh, more of a pet. Yeah, okay. Right. So. Whilst accompanying today's featured dowser, David Lockwood, we have learned of a kind of duplex housing for farmers, dating back to around 1160. The building itself housed the workers and children of five families, and was hence divided into five distinct sections, apparently the only building on the terrain. The owner of the farm, 
would have lived within 200 meters from their housing. This was however, beyond the perimeter of the current school gymnasium. Interesting stuff. We hope that you have enjoyed this show, and will tune in for the next program of Dowsing Schools. Dowsing Schools. Dowsing Schools. Dowsing Schools. Dowsing Schools. Dowsing Schools. Dowsing Schools.